Hey, I'm so glad to see you today. Glad you could be here worshiping with us. We also want to welcome those worshiping with us online. We're glad to have you as well. Now, as we get started today, I want to tell you a couple of quick little stories. So just sit back and relax. Did you get some coffee out there? You did? Did you get some of the goodies out there? Are you sleepy now? I'm just checking. <laughs> just want to tell you, no, no, you had that coffee. Okay, good. Well, you're good to go. All right. Well, I want to just share a couple of things with you. Years ago, Laura and I got married, and we were both in college. And we weren't poor. We were poor. We were poor because we couldn't afford the last two letters of poor. That's how poor we were, okay? We didn't have anything. But you know what? We were happy. We were just happy people. Went off to graduate school. She was at the college. I was at the graduate school. I was serving churches. We were commuting every day to school. And we served these little two churches. We had a Bible study, two Bible studies every Wednesday night, two worship services every Sunday morning, two worship services every Sunday night. And so it was a marathon, running a marathon full speed, okay, going to school, serving the churches. And every Sunday night, we would drive home. And by the time we were heading back to the house, we would get to our little community of Hubble, Kentucky. How many of you have heard of Hubble, Kentucky? It's a megalopolis. You've heard about it because I told you about it not too long ago. I even showed you some pictures. But anyway, it was a wonderful place, salt-of-the-earth people. We loved it. It was great. Now, every Sunday night, we would drive home. It would be dark. And the two of us couldn't help but noticing something as we drove home. We would always pass this trailer that was there in our little community, a farming community where we lived. And the curtains would always be open, and we would look inside, and they would be watching TV. And they had a color TV. Yeah. Now, I know some of you can't relate to this, but back in the day, we had a black and white TV at our house, okay? They had a color TV, but we weren't bitter. And so we would just stop sometimes in the road, park the car, and just look at their color TV and think, someday we'll get a color TV. In fact, when we were in college, we had a bunch of friends. A buddy of mine who's a preacher today and another buddy who's a preacher, that one guy had a, a TV that he was going to give to the other one. The guy who had the TV, he was given away was Cameron and Katie Winton's dad, Steve Winton. He said, come on by. I'll be glad to give you my color TV. And so we went to get it. And when we went, he gave it to us. We put it in the car. And the reason it was called a color TV is because he had painted the cabinet of it. It was really a black and white TV. You can't make that up. It's just people from Tennessee. What can I tell you, okay? So anyway, when we got out of graduate school, Laura and I decided we were going to splurge. We were going to, we had, we had put it off. We had waited. We were just good with waiting on things. We said, we're going to go to Sears, and we're going to buy two things. We went to Sears, and I bought her a microwave oven. We could have really used that graduate school. It was so busy. We were going all the time. We just couldn't afford it, so we didn't get it. <clears throat> but I got her a microwave oven, and she was a grateful person. So she got me a VCR, and the VCR, we put it in, in the parsonage and it had something that we had not had it had a remote control and you could use the remote control on the vcr and let me just tell you we were some smoke 
we had we had a remote. The only thing about this particular remote is I've never seen one before or since. I found out in the last service one other couple in there have had one like this back in the day, you know, because nobody even has VCRs anymore. But this VCR <clears throat> had this remote, and it had a cord to the remote. You had to sit close enough to the TV. You could just about change channels that way, right? Turn the volume up. But it had a cord. So, you know, you get over on the couch, get everything set just right, and reach to get that remote and use that and work it out that way. Anybody have a cord on your remote? Yeah. So when you go home this afternoon... <laughs> When you go home this afternoon, after you've had lunch, when you sit down, you want to watch a little something on TV, I want you just to pick up your remote, and I want you to hold it in your hand, and I want you to look at it, and I want you to think of Laura and me. I want you just to get on your knees and thank the good Lord that your remote does not have a cord with it. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think there's a correlation between money and happiness? How many of you would say there is a correlation between money and happiness? Anybody feel that way? How many of you would say there really is no, really is no correlation between and, and One guy said, guy said whoever, whoever said that can't bring you, can't bring you, just didn't, just didn't have of it. That was a bit problem. The problem, he'd had more, had more, would have been happy, right? But I want, but I want you about this, about this that connection. And there's a there's a word there that we have to use when we talk about that. And every time you think about it, if I just had blank money, I would be happy. And and the word is a four letter word. More. <laughs> if I just had more, I would be happy, right? How much is more? More than I've got right now. That's how much more is. That's how much I need. And so the question is, and I don't want you to answer out loud, how much more money than you have right now would it take to make you happy? Now, don't answer out loud, but I want you just to get that in your mind. I want you to think about it and think, okay, well, if I had this much money, I think I would be happy, okay? Because here's what I want you to see. All happy people have something. They have something in common. Do you know what it is? They have peace. Happy people are at peace. Have you ever noticed that? They're happy with themselves. They're at peace with themselves. They're at peace with other people. They're at peace with God. And so the question is, how much money would it take for you to be at peace? How much do you need to have? More than you have now. More than you currently have. Because the corollary between money and happiness is not more, okay? Now, think about this for a minute. Have you ever known somebody who was wealthy, who had more than you have, but they weren't happy? You ever known anybody like that? We all have. We've known people like that, and you think, why in the world, with all that they've got, why in the world are they not happy? Let me ask you this. Have you ever known anybody who had less than you have? They didn't have very much at all, but they were very happy people. They were just at peace, and they were happy. You think about it. Families who really love each other, but they don't have anything much, but they're just happy to be together. 
And then your family, you can't even get your family to go on vacation with you. Your kids want to go on vacation with somebody else's kids. And you say, we've got a pool. I don't understand. Why don't they all come here? We've got a pool. Somehow it doesn't play out that way. I remember we sent our daughters on mission trips. And one time our older daughter, Elizabeth, went on a mission trip to Mexico. And when she went to Mexico, there were people living there that didn't have housing. I mean, they literally were living outside. That's the way they had to live. They just were very, very poor people. And she said, but she noticed something about them right away. They were all very happy. They were happy people. They were happy to be there. They were happy to have them. They were just happy. And so what they would do in one week's time is they would work and they would build that family a new house. And the house would have a floor and it would have a door that you could lock, and it would have a window where you could look outside, and it would have walls and a roof, and they had a house. And at the end of the week, they would go around the circle, and everybody who worked on the house would pass the keys of the house around, and then they would hand those keys to the people, the family that they had built the house for, and they took it. They were happy. But they were happy before they showed up. They were just happy people. They were at peace. They were glad to have what they had, but they didn't really worry about it. If we could ever get that concept to move from our heads to our hearts, do you know, that would change our perspective on resources. It's really not how much money we have. That's really not the key. You know what the key is? It's how we manage what we have. If you manage it well, then you can be at peace. And you can be happy. But if you don't manage it well, then you're never going to have enough, right? And so when you mismanage it, then you're struggling, aren't you? And you have to figure out, well, how am I going to manage that correctly to have peace? And then you feel out of control sometimes because you're not at peace. And what does that create? Well, it creates anxiety. I've known a lot of people who had a lot of things. But, and you would think that they would just be the happiest, most peaceful people in the world. But you know what? They were always worried about their stuff. They were, I've got this place here, and I've got this place here, and I've got that over there, and I've got this, and I've got to take care of it, and I'm worried that something's going to happen to it, and I've got to have insurance on it. I'm worried somebody might steal it. And so they're always so consumed with worrying with all the stuff that they've accumulated that they don't really have peace. Well, the Scriptures talk about this in the 16th chapter of Luke, and here's what it says. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I want you to catch something at the end of that scripture there real quick. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, when you think about God, what do you think about as the opposite of God? Satan? Evil? sin. But isn't it interesting? He doesn't use that. He says, you cannot love both God and money. And it's not necessarily that, that they're the opposite, but, but you don't think of it that way, do you? And yet, that is the dichotomy that he gives us. You see, God wants something from you and me. Do you know what it is? He, well, he wants obedience, but he wants our devotion. That's what he wants. He wants our devotion, but you know, there are other things that are clamoring for our devotion. Did you ever think about that? The chief competitor for our devotion is not Satan or sin or evil, but it's money because it's the chief competitor for our hearts because that's where our treasure is, right? And so we say, well, you know, I don't love money. Now think about it. Think about your own life. 
And think about it. Do you, do you love money? Do you love stuff? Do you love things? Because I know what, what you're thinking. A lot of us would say, well, no, I don't love money. I don't, I don't really love money. And we struggle with that word, love. But, but I want you to notice what, what he said in that scripture, what Jesus said. He said, you will be devoted to. Devoted to is what he's talking about. You can't love both God and things, okay? Now, to be devoted to means there's a quest. I, I want to achieve that. I've got my eye on that. I want to have that. Have you got your eye on something right now? Anybody? You got anything that you want to buy? You've been looking at it? Maybe the catalogs are coming out for Christmas. You're checking them out. You know, you see stuff online. There's things that you're thinking about. And so you're wondering, you know, I'd like to have some of that. And, and we can become devoted to it, can't we? And Jesus says, you know, if we're honest, we can be pretty devoted to our stuff. We don't really think about it in those terms, but that can be the case. And so our devotion, if it's to money or if it's things that we have, you know, what he says is, I'm a jealous God. And I want you to love me first. And I want you to love me best. And I want you to make me number one. And so let me ask you a question. Has your desire for something ever caused you to do something foolish? <laughs> Everybody here, raise your hands right now. Yeah, we've all done dumb things, haven't we? And what happens is we go out and buy something, we get it home, and then what do we say? What was I thinking? Why in the world did I buy that? I've already got one of those. I didn't need that. That was a really foolish decision that I made. You ever have regrets after you do that? Yeah, we do. We, we make poor choices, poor decisions, and we regret what we've done. We look back and we say, that was so foolish. I can't believe that I've done that. And so what we have to determine is, do we master our money or does it master us? Because it's going to be one way or the other. And you're thinking, you know, there are things that I've gotten that were really bad choice. What about that, that crazy lease thing I leased and now I'm stuck paying that lease payment and I don't know what to do about that. Or, you know, what about, I just really wanted to recover the couch, but I went out and spent my money on a boat or, or a car or, or something else. And now I can't do that. Or maybe I'm just thinking, I've got too much stuff. I need to give some stuff away. So what do you do? Well, you go to the store and you get more stuff. That's what you do. And you bring it home and we put it in our closets, right? And we got all this stuff. If you got stuff in your closet anybody got stuff we got stuff in our closets and we go in there and we look at all our stuff and what do we say i can't find a thing to wear that's what we say i better go out and buy more stuff i don't know where my stuff is well jesus is smarter than we think about this and so he says when we have a desire to acquire then we're never going to really be satisfied if we just focus on that all the time. In fact, it has the power to enslave us. Now think about this. If you're a slave to something, are you happy? No. Are you at peace? No. Well, you don't want to be in that position, do you? In other words, you know, I made a decision. It was a poor decision. And all of us, you're sitting there thinking about, yeah, I could get up and give a testimony about the thing that I bought that I shouldn't have bought. Why did I do that? Well, let me explain that to you, okay? It all wraps up around this one word, and that is this, discontentment. Discontentment. We become discontent. You know, with whatever we've got, with wherever we are, with whatever our situation is, if we're not careful, we can become discontent. We're never satisfied with what we have. Do you know why we're not satisfied with what we have? 
because we've looked around and we've seen, we see what you've got. That's why when we see what you've got, we were fat, dumb, and happy till we realized that you had something better and it's prettier and it's shinier. And why don't we have that? And now we've got to focus on, I wish I had one like that. That would be so much better. And we become aware of that. And what happens is we're discontent. And so what do we do? Well, it drives us to be even further in that discontentment. Now, greed is simply the assumption that everything we have is for our consumption. Okay? But that's not what the Bible teaches. We talked about this a few weeks ago. And the Bible says the purpose of us having resources, the purpose of us having money and things is so that we might have enough to what? To share with other people. You're so faithful. Look at the person beside you and say, you are so faithful. Go ahead and tell them right now. Because I, I want to brag on you for a minute. You are so faithful to give to the We Care Fund here at the church. We have a food pantry. It's run by volunteers. Every month when we come to receive communion, we receive a meal. We bring a meal for someone else. You give to that. It's not in the budget. We raise about $70,000 outside the budget because of your contributions and your generosity. Totally run by volunteers. Why do we do that? Because we care. I mean, that's why we named it that, right? We want to help people who have a need. It's a blessing to do that, isn't it? And we're just so grateful. And if you ever go back to We Care and you see it, and you see it in action, it'll bless you even more. Uh, somebody came up to me today and they say, you talked about We Care and you talked about the master plan. You talked about the fact that you want to build some new things. In fact, the architects came this week and they designed a new concept for us to look at for what we might want to do as a church now that we own the property. We might want to build some things. And one of the things that they drew was a We Care maintenance building. It's a We Care building. It has a food pantry. It's a permanent building because our building is temporary. And then it has room for us to put all of our vans and buses and lawnmowers and all that stuff, weed eaters and all that stuff, because they steal our tools and they steal the catalytic converters off the buses out there in the parking lot. Because really, if you want to get something valuable, where do you go to get it? But you go steal it from the church, right? Because that's the place to get. It's like going to the bank for communion. You're not going to be satisfied, okay? It's just not going to happen. Why would you go to the church to try to get something from them so that, but they don't know that we have deer cameras in the woods? And when they stole our, our cookers, you know, for barbecue and stuff, our guys tracked them down to Atlanta. And we took, took them. No, we didn't take them out. But we caught them. <laughs> We, we caught them, and we got the, all that stuff back. And they went to visit somebody in, in a, a confined space for a while after that happened. So they, they might be able to think. They took a little time out so that they might be able to think about the last decision that they made. Because, so don't mess with us, okay, because we'll come after you, okay? Now, here's the problem. You know, what happens with greed is that it is an appetite, Right? If you're greedy, you have an appetite. And what happens when you have an appetite? You, you just want more. And more. You ever eat Chinese food? Anybody? You ever, what happens when you eat Chinese food? You eat Chinese food and you eat and eat and eat and you go, oh, I'm so stuffed. I can't eat anymore. Oh, look, they've got egg roll. And suddenly <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're back again. 
and carbohydrates make you crave carbohydrates and you're thinking I'm full why is it that I want more well that's the way greed is it's an appetite and you can't ever get enough and so if you're driven by discontentment you're never going to be happy you're never going to be at peace and so you make the assumption that it's all for my consumption then you're always going to struggle with that I want you to stop and because what happens is you're going to get into debt. If you keep doing that, you're going to get into debt and you're not going to be happy. Now, let me, let, let's look at the choices here. Would you rather be in the category that says, I want, or the category that says, I owe? Which one of those two would you like to be in? Woman at the first service, sitting about halfway back, right over here. She's looking at me. She's paying attention. She's focused. I asked her, she said, neither one. I don't want either one, right? But you know what? I want, here's the, here's the key about I want. I want is between God and me. Now, Lord, you've told me to give you, the, to share the desires of my heart, to give those to you. So I'm going to tell you what I want. This is what I want. I know that you give me what I need, but I am going to tell you what I want. Now, Lord, it's in your hands. You do whatever you want to do. If it's not a good thing for me to have, okay. But, but it's just on my heart. I'd like to have it. If it's okay, can I have that? And that's between you and God, right? But then I owe something else happens then because that is between you and your creditor, okay? When I was growing up in Tennessee, one of my buddies that I was growing up with, his daddy owned Chevrolet and Cadillac garage. And one time, he was all the time coming by the house, picking me up to go do stuff with him. And one time he came by the house and he said, come on, we got to go do something. He gets me in the car, and then he tells me what we're going to do. He said, we got to drive up on the mountain where my wife Laura is from. we got to drive up on the mountain, and we got to repossess a car up there on the mountain. Now, let me tell you something. First of all, I was afraid to go on the mountain, okay? It was just a dangerous place because they would steal cars, take them up there, strip them, get the parts off, burn them. Sometimes they'd split the difference in insurance, and, and that's what they did on top of the mountain. You know, between Laura's dad and the dog that they had, there wasn't much chance of me dating Laura, okay? I had to wait till the dog died because all her daddy would ever say to me was, no, that's all he said. No, that's all I got. When he introduced us after we were married to other people that we got to know in the community, he said, this is Miss Dorothy's son-in-law, okay? Does that tell you where I stood with him? Yeah, and, and so what happened was that they took me up there, and I was just dumb enough to do it. And he said, just, just get out of the car and go up there and knock on the door. They've got the keys for you. The car's sitting right here, and they'll hand them to you. Well, I could be dead today because of that. But, you know, thank the Lord. He just takes care of folks like me. And sure enough, this little girl came up just handed me the keys, and I got in that little car and pedaled it back down the mountain and took it back for them for no money at all. I didn't get paid for that, risking my life, but I'm not bitter. We'll move on, okay? But here's the deal. If it's between you and God about I want, but, but it's between you and the creditor of I owe. Now, here's what happens. God takes the side of the creditor because as Christians, we're supposed to pay our bills, right? So he said, you know, you go to God and you complain about, they want me to pay them. He said, ah, ah, none of that. Hey, you made a commitment, you take care of it because that's between you and the creditor. 
Now, the financial goals that we have would be to stay out of debt, of course. And there are some exceptions to that. There are things, sometimes it's wise for you, maybe if you're buying a house, it can be good to have it paid off, but it can also be good for your tax purposes. If you don't pay it off, people look at it differently. I'm not here to, to tell you which one of those, but, but most of the time, most of the things that we have, we want to pay off and not have any debt, right? Because, you know, when we have debt, you know, it just, it kind of controls what we're able to do, right? And it's a crazy thing that we get involved in. So why would we want to be in that? We want to be at peace. We want to be happy. We want to get rid of that. Now, there are three words that I want to share with you today. And I want you to think about these words as we talk about them. The first one is, the first is discontentment. The second one is greed, and the third one is debt. We've been talking about that. Now, what does discontentment do? It erodes our happiness, right? What does greed do? Well, it doesn't make you happy. You just consume and consume and consume, and then there's no limit because it's, you're just trying to consume more and more, and then there's debt. Yeah, if I can just get in debt, then I'll be happy, right? If Let me just use this credit card some more because there's nothing I enjoy more than getting bills in the mail or online. That's just, thank you, Jesus, for that. I'm so glad that I have that credit card debt that I have to pay off now. What a blessing that is. No, so stop, right? Find a way not to do that to get out of debt. And it's not the amount of money, but it's the management of the money that we're talking about there, okay? Now, Jesus says no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And here's what I want you to see. There's a couple of things. When, when Jesus talks about money in the New Testament and in the Old Testament when they talk about money and giving and so forth, there's a couple of words. You could sum that up in two words, okay? And these are the two words, generosity and wisdom. Generosity and wisdom. I want you to think for just a minute. Just think in your mind. Get this person in your mind. Think about the happiest person you know. Who's somebody you'd love to see them coming? You just, they, they just, they're good medicine. They're just always happy. What a blessing they are. And you always want to hang out with them and be around them, right? And, and they're wonderful. Now, those are the people who are the most generous. Those are the people who are wise. Those are the people who are happy. Because they've learned with their wisdom, they're, they're generous people. So recently we said, what do most people do? Well, they live on what they make, and then they might save a little bit, and then they give what's left away right at the end. I mean, whatever I've got left over, I'll give that. And the Bible says that really as Christians, it's just the reverse for you and me. It's just the opposite of that. What are we supposed to do? We talked about this recently. Some of you may not have been here, so just a quick review. What are we supposed to do? Number one, we're supposed to give first, right? That's number one. And then we're supposed to save, right? And then what do we do? Then we live on the rest. That's right. And if we do that, what happens? What does giving bring you? Joy, exactly. It bring, you may sit on the front row next week again. That was excellent. You did such a good job there. Joy, it brings us joy. Do you enjoy giving? You know, recently our daughter Elizabeth uh, sent a text out to uh, Laura and me, and in the text she said this. She said, I can't believe it. Collins is growing so fast. She's outgrown her winter coat from last year. She's going to have to get a new coat. 
And I just put a laughing face on there as a response to that because my wife had not read it yet. And I knew what was getting ready to happen. Laura read that and immediately she made a contact with Amazon. I knew this was going to happen. And the, before you could say Jiminy Cricket, Collins had a new winter coat. And then we got a text, and Collins had on her new winter coat. And she was modeling the coat, which she does really well, by the way. I've got pictures. See me after the service. Two different pictures with a new, it was a kind of coat she wanted. It was a color. Elizabeth just happened to share that information with Laura when she inquired about it. And now Collins has got a new coat. And let me just tell you, we're chapped about it. Laura and I are just really mad. We're disgusted, right? No. Because you love, you give, right? And so it brings what? Joy. It brings joy. It does bring joy. Now, discontentment, what does that bring? No joy. Greed, no joy. Debt, no joy. Giving, always joy. Okay, the second thing is saving will bring you peace. That's right. Saving brings you peace. It brings you peace of mind. If you've got resources to take care of things, you manage it well. You, you take care of the bills that you have. You've got peace about that. And that's the result that you're going to have. The third thing is living on the rest will bring you freedom. That's right. Because then you're at peace. You're free. You don't owe. You're financially free. You choose not to spend more than you make. Here's a new concept. We're not familiar with this in America. Don't spend more than you have. How about that? I choose not to spend more. You know, you would think that that's just common sense, right? But we've all done that, haven't we? And we've gone, you know, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to buy that. And, you know, it's really, instead of saving up for it, I'm not going to wait on it. And more money won't bring you happiness and won't bring you peace. But managing it will help you to do that. So here's the bottom line. Ask the Lord to help you. To put that in perspective, ask him to bless you so that you might be a blessing to other people. Ask him to help you be a good steward. Ask him to help you manage what you've got so that you might be about his business. The last two weeks we talked about, what did we talk about the last two weeks? This is going to really depress me. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, hate for, I hate for you to sleep yet. We're not quite through. Okay, the last two weeks, just so you know, what? Putting others first. Yeah, we did. We talked about putting others first. We talked about serving the last two weeks, right? Today and next Sunday, we'll talk about giving. Then the next two weeks, we're going to talk about studying God's Word and how we grow and how we have balance. We talked about serving and giving and loving and sharing and fellowship and all that kind of stuff. That's what we talked about. Does anyone remember that? If you've got memory issues, it's not going to do me any good to tell you this stuff, okay? You've got to work. That's why you can take notes. You can do it on your phone. You can write it down on a piece of paper because you say, I'll remember that. No, you won't. I just proved it to you, okay? <laughs> Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessings you've given us. We thank you that you, you provide for us so that we might provide for other people as well. Lord, make us good stewards. Help us to know how to manage things well. Help us to think and, and to pray and to ask you what we should do and what we should not do and to be at peace and to be happy and, and to be people who are generous. We thank you that you're that way. We pray that we would be more like you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's children said,